three of London's millinery elite share stories that will have you laughing and groaning in equal measure. Join me for the millinery journeys of Noel Stewart, Rachel Trevor Morgan, and Edwina Ibbotson. Hello, Hat and Around followers. I am Leanne Frederick. This is the first of a multi-part podcast of an interview with milliners Noel Stewart, Rachel Trevor Morgan, and Edwina Ibbotson. All three are well-established London milliners who make absolutely stunning hats for society ladies, royalty, and the catwalk. This was originally recorded during Milliner's Question Time at London Hat Week 2015, before a live audience at McLaren Hall. In the episode, Noel Stewart, Rachel Trevor Morgan, and Edwina Ibbotson tell us about their journeys into millinery. In future episodes, discover why we all need a Lucy, how one milliner recovered from a dye pot disaster, and what all three milliners have in common, other than their love for hats. We uh, have with us three well-established milliners here from here in London. They have worked hard and are acknowledged as masters in their field. We are lucky to have them with us tonight, Edwina Ibbotson in the green, and Noel Stewart opposite, uh, and Rachel Trevor Morgan in the middle, which that's how I wrote it on the cards. <laughs> uh, Edwina Ibbotson has been a milliner for 20 years. She studied at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. With Anne Albrizio and the London uh, College of Fashion with Marie O'Regan. And then she studied with Rose Corey and a French milliner, Roland, and I should have asked you guys, Bouget? She's also uh, worked with a top milliner, Philip Somerville, and then her pieces are often um, called out for photo shoots and exhibits um, as opportunities present themselves. Edwina's designs are couture millinery at its best. Her designs are flirtatious, timeless, romantic, with a slight vintage feel, and constructed to perfection. Noel Stewart uh, went to the Royal College of Art. He worked for designer Di Reese. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And he was uh, <coughs> Jones's assistant while working at uh, working with Christian Dior, John Galliano, and Louis Vuitton. And appointed to, and recently has been appointed to the created as creative director for Christie's and Co. Hats, which is owned by Liberty. Noel's inspiration comes from contemporary art and architecture. Whilst using his extensive skills, he modernizes millinery. Rachel Trevor Morgan has been in millinery for 25 years and operates from her 17th century atelier (laughs) or in St. James. Is it on St. James or in St. James? In St. James. Um, she is a liveryman of the Worshipful, the Worshipful Company of Felt Makers. Granted, uh, she was granted the royal warrant of appointment to Her Majesty the Queen, 
And she has a husband and three children, so she runs this business and the other stuff. Um, Rachel is renowned for her beautiful handwork and design, resulting in a glamorous and, and feminine elegance. We're going to launch right into our questions. My first one is about background, and this I think is probably going to be the most extensive, you know, I'm going to let you guys run for a bit on this one because I know that it takes a while to kind of cover where you started, how you did the schooling, um, who you uh, apprenticed to with um, what and what drew you into millinery and you can go whatever order you want and then perhaps if you could do a highlight and a low light in my family we call it roses and thorns at dinner every night you sit around the table and everybody has to say one rose of their day and one thorn of their day mm -hmm. so a rose of being in millinery and a thorn My favorite part of these interviews is that each milliner's personality comes shining through. I shall now introduce you to three of London's millinery elite. Here is Noel Stewart telling us about his journey into millinery. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know which question to answer first. Well, just it's your journey. Tell us your journey. How you got um, I started not doing hats or fashion or anything really related to uh, headwear at all. I was doing decorative arts and I was doing a BA in that. And I started making hats because I'd done a lampshade project um, and someone asked me to make my hat. Um, and it was the most exciting thing I'd done in the entire three years I'd been studying. So I thought, okay, I better do more of that. Um, and yeah, quite quickly I realised I needed to get some basic skills. I'd never picked up a needle before. Um, and I did an evening course uh, in the summer holidays um, and realised that this was, although to start off with, it was completely terrifying. Um, stitching each and I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Um, but actually now that's the thing that I love the most, is stitching a piece and it's such a sort of satisfying thing to do. So it's... Um, yeah, it started off as a bit of a surprise. It took me about a year and a half to get my head around this sort of changing from making furniture to making hats. Um, and I did a uh, work experience to start off with with Diaries, who was not trained as a milliner as well, um, but was making hats and showing collections at London Fashion Week. Um, and that was a very steep learning curve. I learned more in those three weeks than I did in, of use um, in the entirety of my degree. Um, and they offered me a job and I stayed there for a while and then they stopped making hats, very sadly. So I went and worked for Stephen Jones and quite quickly realised that I didn't want to be sat in someone else's work but I wanted to be in my own workroom. And then I went to the Royal College. I'm just going to do this quite quickly so you get the sort of basic okay. picture. Um, so the Royal College came after the Stephen Jones part? Yeah, because were, at the time there was a, a television programme about the Royal College of Art. I mean, I didn't even know there was a millinery MA. I didn't even I, I'd only just discovered that there was a millinery profession. I didn't know. I was very, very green. I had no clue. Um, and so I was sort of learning on the job, literally. Um, and I thought, well, if I want to do this and I want to do it for myself, I better go back to college, and I did. And that was really great. And then I went and worked for, when I left, I worked for Mr. Somerville for a different type of experience, which was fantastic. And also, somewhere else, I can't remember. Um, and <clears throat> then I went back to Stephen Jones and set up my own label. And yeah, so I was sort of, and then I was there on and off while doing my own label and doing the uh, MA. Um, yeah. Um, That's a lot of 
that's a lot of things going on at the same time. Yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> it's a lot of juggling. Um, as I'm sure uh, these ladies will attest, it's, you are juggling a lot of different things. Um, and that's part of the fun. That's part of the reason I love it. Every day is different. That sounds great. That's my rose. That's your rose every day. Yeah, and it's also my thorn. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. Here is Rachel Trevor Morgan telling us about her journey into millinery. Hello. <laughs> um, okay, so I did a very traditional route into millinery. I uh, did an apprenticeship. Uh, post A level, not knowing what I wanted to do, um, I moved to London with a friend to make clowning costumes. Um, but oh. clowning costumes. <laughs> but she she had all the contacts and. Um, I knew nothing, and then she went off and did something else, so I was kind of left at the loose end. So um, I thought initially I wanted to do something in the theatre. I was rather stage struck, or theatre design, something of that nature. Um, anyway, I thought suddenly that hats might be quite interesting, and my mother had always wore a lot of hats to church on Sunday, so maybe that was subconsciously an influence. Um, and I was also rather green about things, and I wrote round to. 10 hat companies in West One, because I thought they must be good if they're in West One. <laughs> so I just wrote to them and said, um, I'm interested in coming to see uh, how you make your hats, please. And um, I got a response from Kangol, um, and Graham Smith was their design director. Um, and I just went to see them, and I hadn't really asked for a job because I was a bit sort of nervous about it all. And I, I was uh, shown up to the workroom and I met Graham and he said, uh, asked me a few questions and said, fine, we'll give you a try. So <laughs> without realising what had happened, I suddenly got a job <laughs> um, earning peanuts. But uh, um, and without realising it, I ended up in the best place I possibly could have done because any of you who know have heard of Graham Smith, he's um, had, you know, his workroom was the best place to have learned because his workmanship was second to none, really. Um, so I stayed there for three years and absolutely loved it. Um, and then I went on to work for Philip Somerville. Um, there isn't really a recognised amount of time for a friendship, so it was really just, it was sort of, you didn't get anything formal at the end of it. It was more that, you know, that seemed to be the right time. And I went on to Philip Somerville uh, because whilst I was at Graham's, I was very much up in the workroom with 14 ladies, so things were very different then. Uh, all sewing away, but we, we didn't have any contact with clients or any of the other side of the business. So I went to work for Philip Somerville, which was a much smaller setup. Um, I met Edwina, <laughs> so we go back a long way. Um, and so and I just managed to learn some of the other side of the business and the sales, um, and I worked mainly in his shop, so that was great. Um, and then whilst I was there, I used to do a market stall. Um, St Martin's in the Field used to have a have an arts and crafts market behind, it's the church in Trafalgar Square, and they used to have a craft market and I had a stall there. Um, and from there I found a little workroom in the attic of a monastery that was rent free, all a bit bizarre. <laughs> and I, uh, so I, I started my business and then um, not long after that I moved to my current premises which is in St James's behind James Lock and Co, where I've now been for about 22 years. Um, so that's my journey. Lots of many hours, um, <coughs> many hours learning. <laughs> my rose, I suppose, is that I adore my job, 
Um, I love going in every day. Uh, my thorn is also, it's, it's, I suppose it's those long hours you have to put in which you love and hate in equal measure mm. when you don't go home for three weeks before Ascot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, you know, I, I, never, um, I never hate going in for the, the week, so that's a, a real plus point. Anyway, over to you. Here is Edwina Ibbotson telling us about her journey into millinery. Um, I was studying photography up in Scotland in Edinburgh, and my partner at the time always took a better photograph than me. So I thought, uh, time to do something different. We actually moved together and moved to Manchester for a short time. I got a job in an ice cream parlour and hated it. <laughs> Just wasn't me at all. So I joined a, a day class which was full of ladies um, making hats, going to church, and what we had to do is go to charity shops, get a hat, take to pieces and redo it. All week I hadn't done my homework, and I was a bit scared of the tutor, so I stopped going. <laughs> At that point, because I wasn't impressing my family very well, they sent me off to America to be a nanny. Uh, so I was a nanny in Connecticut for a few months, and then I saw a course at FIT in New York to do millinery. So jump ship, moved to New York, and studied there for about nine months. Um, what I studied was with a wonderful, it was two milliners, one lady I can't remember the name of, but Anna Brizzo was my main tutor. Um, whilst being there, um, there was a wonderful talk and things. I managed to meet Lily Dashay. I don't know if anyone's heard of her, and some of the really old New York learners. Um, St. Mr. John was there at the conference, so it was a real eye-opener. I was a bit young still, a bit green, didn't really appreciate it at the time, but I did meet Lily Dashay, which was really lovely. Um, then I came back to London. I, whilst doing the course, it was meant to take about three years, but I sort of begged them and said, can I do it in a short time? So I was allowed to do it in that short period. Obviously, being um, a student from abroad, you had to pay double at least, if not triple the amount. And I actually was a nanny whilst doing that in New York, which I loved and didn't want to leave. But um, again, same partner, who's better photographer, he was coming back, he came out to, to be with me in the end. And then um, he accepted uh, to come back to go to university, so I came with him. Uh, I promised him wherever we, he moved to Washington University, I'd move there, but by which time we'd lived in London for a short time, and he accepted a position in Nottingham. I went to Nottingham with, <laughs> for the day to a grand university and thought, I can't live here. <laughs> I've lived, I've lived in... <laughs> Since leaving home, I've lived first of all in Leeds, and then Edinburgh, Manchester for that short time, New York and London. I wasn't prepared to move to Nottingham. Sorry if anyone's from Nottingham. It's a lovely place, but... <laughs> so, um, we lived in squats in London. Couldn't afford proper houses, and so I um, went to London College of Fashion, met Marie. I, as Rachel, uh, wrote to all the milliners. Got only one reply from Stephen Jones. Graham Smith was the milliner I really wanted to go to work for. Didn't hear anything from him. Um, got an interview at Stephen Jones, didn't meet Stephen, met an assistant, I never got a job. <laughs> so, very kindly, Marie got me a job at Philip Somerville's. She took me there, introduced me, told Mr. Somerville that, and it's always Mr. Somerville, <laughs> that she thought uh, he should give me a job. He gave me a job, and then whilst I was there, so during term time, I'd carry on and um, do the class with Marie, 
which sometimes I naughty and like Carol was there at the time occasionally as well, I think. Or maybe you were there before. <laughs> I know you went to the class there. Um, I, I sometimes naughtily sneak out at lunchtime and uh, meet friends and not go back. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then during the holidays, I actually worked at Pennsylvania five days a week. On Saturdays, I used to do a course with Rose Corrie. Um, and then on Sundays, I do classes with Roland, who was the milliner who sat next to me at Mr. Sunbill's, and she was an amazing French milliner who'd learned in Paris and then come over and lived in London. So I was so incredibly lucky to do that. And in fact, Rachel was very sweet, and she used to let um, Roland, myself, and another friend, Andrew, who was at Mr. Sunbill's, use her workroom for a few months. She just formed that as well. But she didn't take part in the classes. She was busy making her own hats. <laughs> and that was all before I got a workroom. So I left in Mr. Sunville's. Um, and he used to occasionally use me for the house model, apart from if it was a really grand shop like Harrods. I didn't get to be the house model for that. So I'd turn up with holes in my jeans, Dr. Martins, no makeup. And the girls in the, um, in the workroom used to say, Mrs. Sunwell, you really should buy you know, a nice dress to wear. <laughs> I'd stand there, pass around, show off and things, um, with the hats on, and um, then go back to the workroom. So I was always in the workroom at Mrs. Sunwell's. Occasionally, you'd have to answer the phone, answer the phone to Jane Collins once or twice, but that was about it. Um, and then it was, it was very lovely. It was a small workroom, as Rachel said. I think that on a, on a busy day, there's probably eight milliners in there. Lots of really uh, older ladies with really lots of experience. So we went uh, learned an awful lot. And then from leaving there, I went, um, I travelled a little bit, and then I got uh, work experience in, in Paris. I just, I'd, again, I'd written some places, had no response. So I just packed my bag, got my rucksack, um, got on the train. I think it was a train then. I might have been hitched, knowing me. Um, went to Paris and I got an address from a friend where I could stay. So I went and worked, uh, knocked on Marie Mercy's door and said, I wrote to you and said I was coming. <laughs> so there I was in Paris. I worked with her for a couple of months and typically they glued everything. But well, I'm afraid I wasn't very impressed with this. They, they do amazing things with the 17 guinea sewing machine, but all the trims and things at that point were glued, so I wasn't impressed. So I did it for a little while, then I came back and set up my own business. Um, Probably with a little bit of push from my mother. She thought it was about time I was old enough. I think I was 24, 25 at this point. And at that time, um, there was a scheme. I got help from the Prince's Youth Business Trust, which was wonderful. I got a, a loan and a grant. And also, there was some government scheme where you were um, given £40. I can't remember. You got saved for that. It was £40 a week. Enterprise allowance scheme. I can't remember, it's £40 a week or £40 a month? £40 a week. So that's practically what I lived on for that week. Still living in squats. And you'd go home not knowing if you're having to move the next day. or and So um, I lived in a, amazing houses with friends who were all very artistic and things. They could have their workrooms in the houses. So lots of people had bedrooms and a workroom. I couldn't because the sort of clients that I had couldn't go um, into, you know, climb to a house through the window, <laughs> no toilet and things. It was great fun anyway. So I had two different lives, a very sort of life with very um, wonderful ladies who could afford expensive hats, and then my life. <laughs> still Dr. Martin, still holy jeans. Anyway, um, after that, so I had a workroom in Clerkenwell, in um, Clerkenwell Green, which is all full of arty people and things. 
Um, and from then on, I moved to moved in with a friend in shop who was a bridal wear designer. So I got lots of clients through her things. And um, yeah, then it grew, and I moved to somewhere else. And the lady who I moved with was not really a fashion lady. It was her shop again, and it was time for me to find my own place. So that was 18 years ago, and I've been in the same um, shop since. Since I'm my own shop, I don't really sell to trade. I just have private clients. Um, I used to sell to trade, lots of the same places that Rachel um, sells to and and sell to. (laughs) Um, But sort of the last 18 years, I've just mostly done private clients. And I consider myself totally lucky. Again, same as Rachel and Noel. Love going to work every day. Um, so again, that is the wonderful part of work. Um, that thorn, I think, is sort of having to get the ratio right of home life and work life. It can bring problems and things, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Thank you. Thank you. That was fantastic. All right. have enjoyed this first episode of Edwina, Rachel, and Noel's stories about their respective journeys into the London millinery world. Please make sure you sign up for the Hatton Around newsletter so I can let you know when the next episode is available. You don't want to miss on finding out why we all need a Lucy, how one milliner recovered from a dye pot disaster, and what all three milliners have in common, other than their love for hats. I have a couple of important thank yous. First and foremost, Edwina, Rachel, and Noel, thank you for making it fun and an an insightful experience. Secondly, I'm very appreciative of Becky Weaver of Hat Talk and Georgina Abbott of Atelier Millinery for their coordination of London Hat Week and the venue for Milliner's Question Time, as well as Owen Morris-Brown for helping with the recording of the event. Without his help, I wouldn't have a recording to share with you. This episode of Hat and Around is an exclusive work of Leanne Frederick. I reserve all rights. And remember, interesting people wear hats. Hat and Around.